Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. Tomorrow is Christmas, and seeing as how you've all been so good this year, I thought we would give you an extra special treat. This week, the main event is a phenomenal actor of screen and stage who also dabbles in magic on the side. Andy Nyman is my guest. We talk the moment, how acting informs his magic, and a lot more. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the featured product of the week from Bill Goldman. Before all of that, we start off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians get put on a clock and they have to tell me their top five tricks before time runs out otherwise we just keep talking about tricks because this is a podcast there are no stakes this week theater owner fism winner and world's nicest human sean farquhar joins me for the top five under five sean farquhar thanks so much for joining me here on the penguin magic podcast for the top five under five give me your top five tricks in under five minutes and these can be in no particular order but let's start off with number five uh so number five i I love doing things that uh, relate to grandpa Uh, because I had a grandpa that actually did magic. And so uh, I would put number five, Adam Wilbur uh, with Volpine has the floating top. It's just a pop cap and a piece of stick and you spin it and it actually levitates and vanishes and reappears in the box. I only recently got it. I think it is such a clever piece. The plot's going to be cool. And magic, when you levitate, is so visual. Uh, It's going to be the perfect close-up parlor kind of piece. I love that trick. Uh, I think Grandfather's Top, I think, is is what it's called if people want to search for it. It's one of those things that I've actually considered putting out my house to do for guests because I have one as well, and it's fantastic. Great trick. And and beautiful routine, really well thought out, and gorgeous props. But let's move on to number four. Uh, number four, C2W, uh, C- my own wallet. Card two wallet. <laughs> I love yeah. your wallet. It does like a billion things. It's great. Well, Penguin Magic actually released it and uh, I put it in limited release, but they sold me out before I got to sell one to a customer. So I actually <laughs> had to make more so that I could sell some. And now there's, I think, 1500 of them in the world. Um, it's my actual wallet. I, I carry it in my back pocket. The leather's great. I've had my same wallet for the last five years. I think it's the only wallet that you show at the beginning, open, show it's empty, hand it to a spectator, and then their card ends up inside signed. And it's not in some, you know, zippered pocket inside of an envelope that was sealed six months ago. No, it just appears in the wallet, which I think really makes it more organic and fun. And I do a dozen other things with it. I really like your wallet a lot. Uh, It's, you know, my buddy Chris actually carries it as his everyday wallet. And I really like that moment where you show it empty, you fold it back up, and then you show that it's in there and it... It makes sense, and I think it's one of those card-to-wallets that for people who are newer to -to card-to-wallet, it's less intimidating because of the various ways you can load it, rather than having to, like, you know, not not exposing a bunch of things here, but getting into a full palm and then secretly shoving a card somewhere. Yours is, it's it's a lot easier to use, I think, than others. Everything I create, I want it to be easy. I I avoid the palm altogether for Mm -hmm. it because I have smaller hands, and I have lots of friends who have tinier hands than mine. They're like, can't palm a card. don't have to. (laughs) Although there is a review that says, uh, and it's on Penguin, that says uh, uh, the C2W wall. There are easier ways to do it with a palm. And I'm like, no, there yeah, aren't. <laughs> palming, but that—that's not what this is. A no palm wallet. That's the entire idea. Oh, I love C2W. Let's move on to number three. Uh, probably extended stay, which doesn't exist at the moment, but I'm going to try to put it back out again. It's something I created, I'm and not, it's I'm uh, not familiar with extended stay. Could you describe what it is for our listeners? Three hotel room key cards are custom made that have more than a dozen magic tricks on them, including Peter Kane's elongating the queen. Uh, you sandwich one of the three cards in between the other two and it stretches to almost twice its length and then shrinks back down and then you can hand them out for examination. Um, there are card tricks built into it, word puzzles built into it. 
the 1089 effect is built in one of the cards and the elephant is subtly built into the back of the card. So you only see an elephant a ear and a bit of a trunk. It's a really nice set of, I, I went through my pockets going, what do I have that I can do magic with all the time? I said, I always have a hotel room key. Oh, and then I had somebody said, yeah, but I live in Chicago. Do you have any hotel room keys from Chicago? I said, well, if you live in Chicago, the last thing you'd want is a hotel room key from your own city or your wife might be upset. <laughs> um, it's about having something else. So it's an entire project of tricks to be done with three hotel room key cards. I love I love things like that that are really organic that I'm going to carry around with me. I, you know, it's I may not do it in my professional show, but I do want to have it if I'm, you know, sort of caught unawares and someone's like, oh, you're a magician, do a trick. And that sounds like the perfect thing to just have in your pocket. It's great for that, but I bet you would put it in your professional show if you did a trade show. Oh, yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of them have a swipe card for their contact. Mm -hmm. You can take it and stretch their swipe card, or they're staying in the hotel that you're staying in, so you can extend their stay. So there are moments where you go, oh, this is a carry around thing just for fun impromptu. Mm -hmm. But then you work at a trade show, or it's a gift card at the restaurant, and you're promoting that they all have gift cards. And, you know, hey, you want to make your dollar stretch a little bit further Buy a gift card, because when you buy this, you get $20 when you gift to somebody else, then stretch their gift card and put it back. There are countless ways you can add to it because you don't have to just use my cards. You can use the principles in the cards and use them of other cards as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, we're getting close here. Let me move on to number two. Uh, Torn to pieces. Uh, That's another one I created. (laughs) Almost restored photograph. And that's just because it's the piece that I've ended shows all over the world with. I carry it in my C2W wallet and it's always customized to my clients uh, when I'm doing corporate events. And I can have a picture of my kid and I can talk about my daughter. So I've seen, I've seen you do this for people and it really is, I mean, it's a moving piece. It's a great piece of magic, but it's also a moving piece. I totally understand why that made the list. Yeah. And number one, Stephen Bargatze. I hate kids. Have you ever seen that? I love Stephen Bargatze's I hate kids. And Stephen Bargatze is one of my favorite magicians. He's so good. Mine too. Uh, for personality and uh, on stage and off stage, the nicest guy you will ever meet 100%. with killer ideas that will, if you've ever seen his I Hate Card Tricks, it, it will fry 90% of magicians. It's so mm-hmm. great. But the I Hate Kids, uh, I did it on Disney every single show. Uh, the night before they saw a $6 million production, you know, with 30 people on stage. Mm-hmm. And I sit on the edge of the stage with a kid, three little purses and a dollar bill and bring down the house and there's Just, laughter and applause. We're a little bit over time, but I think this is really important because this is a great trick for people to tell everyone what happens in I Hate Kids. It's a bank night effect. Uh, three little leather purses, you bring somebody up, you say, here's a dollar bill, you put it in one, you mix them up. You have a lot of fun with them, with lots of banter. And Steve explains all the stuff to do and how to treat the people and how to get the most out of it. In the end, they select one. They think they're gonna lose, but they win. And they're so excited they got their buck. And as they go back, you open the other two purses to show they have a 20 and a 50 in them. And then it's a great moment. It's It's a really really great, it's a really great trick. Uh, Sean, these are five amazing tricks. Thanks so much for sharing this with uh, them with us on the top five under five. Thanks so much to Sean for joining me on the show. This week, the top five under five is sponsored by Shazam, the podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete. Be sure to go check out their January 3rd episode where Courtney Pong is there to discuss ways to create a safer and more accepting space. Go check it out. Kayla is doing some really cool stuff over 
there. Now, on to the main event. Andy Nyman is an actor, performer, creator, writer, director, and magician from the UK. As an actor, he has appeared in Kick-Ass 2, Despicable Me 3, Automata, and a small indie film called Star Wars The Last Jedi. Now, most of the people listening to this podcast would know him better from his work with Darren Brown, for which Andy has been nominated for a BAFTA. Andy and I got together via Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. Andy Nyman, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, first of all, I am a giant fan of yours uh, from all of your work with Darren Brown to having you on various uh, BBC programs and, and films uh, and to the products you've been putting out. And in particular, I wanted to talk to you, we'll talk about other stuff, but the moment is very, very cool. This is a beautiful trick. Where did this come about? How long have you been doing this? How did you put it all together? Um, so it, the actual, um, for those who don't know the moment, uh, if you strip everything away from it, it's basically... Uh, a coincidence trick um and it's based on a trick it was one of the first tricks that i ever bought when i was a kid from the magic shop in the the town i grew up in city i grew up in called leicester and it was a trick called esp coincidence that they just sold and it was esp cards and you went through this matching process and i just thought oh my god that's amazing there were no credits there was nothing on it it was one typed sheet of paper and I've kept it for years and years and never really done it after I kind of really properly got into magic because I just sort of thought, A, it won't, it's not much of a fooler, and B, it was so bare bones. And then at the beginning of lockdown, my wife, um, who, if any of you are on um, uh, Etsy or Instagram, if you look up Myrtle's store, so that's two words. Myrtles is M-Y-R-T-L-E-S, store, as in a shop. Um, she, you will see she sells the most extraordinary, eclectic, bizarre, wonderful range of vintage products, old fairground prizes, 60s, 70s, 80s, toys. I mean, just the most wonderful stuff. And I was looking through some stuff of hers and I came across a deck of cards that she had from um, the 1950s, late, late 50s. Oh my God, they're absolutely beautiful. These yeah. circus cards, they were a kid's deck of cards. And there was something so incredibly evocative about them. And I'd been thinking about the beginning of lockdown myself and Preston who is my son who I know Penguin are releasing a couple of his tricks coming out um in the next year or so I yeah think. He's, he's put together some some kind of fun stuff uh lately yeah. which has been like it's been really fun to like play with this stuff and go oh this is this is neat as a matter yeah, of I don't want really to spoil it but up. there's a poker chip effect that he's got coming out with us that I've, I was actually playing with the props yesterday and I was like these are beautiful these are really great <laughs> And fuller and clever and yeah. simple. Anyway, uh, Preston and I had been talking about the ESP trick and I'd seen these cards and thought, oh my God, they are just so wonderfully evocative. And um, so I kind of put together what became the moment mm -hmm. and started then thinking, so how do I make it more than just a coincidence, a matchup? What else can there be within it? And then there were two more layers that, that got added into it. One of them was a secondary prediction. And then the other was, was the use of 
the slop shuffle within the thing as well. Mm-hmm. And what I realized when I started doing it, and look, it, it, I'd be lying if I said, I've done this for 20 years. You know, I kind of came up with it at the beginning of lockdown. So two years ago, basically. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if I was having a distanced coffee with someone, I'd do it. And often it was sort of magicians who'd come over and would be sitting outside in our driveway and I'd do it. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely staggered how fooling I realized it was. And there was a mix of a few things. One was just the sheer simplicity of it was just a joy. And also the the two big components of it, which are, you know, the slop shovel and this brilliant Paul Curry, you know, what I realized, oh my God, that's a Paul Curry Mm -hmm. deception. It's so, they're so good, both of those things. And the two of them together just add up to make this really beautiful effect. And then I had a very happy accident with it where I thought I always like to try and over deliver when Mm. you buy something of mine. So, Mm. you you know, and I thought, well, what could be another really sweet trick with this? And I came up with this secondary effect with it called circus in your hand that I think is almost more fooling than the moment actually um, it, it's a sort of, it's unbelievably direct yeah. mind reading trick that is like, whoa. Yeah. So Nick LaCapo and I do these little like inside the box videos where we like, un- we open it up and play with it and we'll usually like perform yes. the trick to one another. And I had no experience with the trick until we we did it like he and i had played this theater together and he was doing the trick over and over again but i was sort of over on the other side of the bar working on some other effects and he was getting these big reactions with this and i said what what is that and he goes well let's wait till we get back to columbus so i can show you circus in your hand because i i had i knew the basic effect of the moment with the matching thing but i hadn't seen circus in your hand and so if you watch that video it's the first time i've ever seen it and i literally i'm i'm like floored there's it's like one of the more edited versions of those of those YouTube videos we do because yeah. I, I'm stunned silence for like minutes where I just, I could not understand how it worked. Um, and he showed me later and it's really, really interesting. It's for those of you who are listening to this, who don't know what we're talking about. Andy has you like, look at the cards, think of one and then imagine it in your hand. And he just tells you what it is. And it's, it's, it's a very strange experience. To, to to do because it's it is the most direct mind reading I've ever experienced. That's so exciting to hear. Yeah. Because the thing about it, Eric, is I mean, it really is like every trick that I ever try and come up with is so much of it is just the chutzpah of, of doing it. You're just mm-hmm. hiding I in a perfect <laughs> world, you're hiding the most page one kids magic trick. <laughs> magic book page one effect method with like just the, a little bit of script that yeah. just makes you not even consider the most obvious thing and preston who is my god he's become very knowledgeable very quickly i mean mm-hmm. he's sort of he just he just devours magic books and loves it and i'd shown him that the the um the moment he was like oh it's really good he really really liked it and was kind of fooled by it but you know it was like yeah that's great and literally did circus in your hand on it and he instantly went how on earth 
And it's, you know, it might it may yeah. well be my dying thought. Was like, <laughs> hmm, that's a good moment. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yes, I'm really glad you had that uh, impact with it. So then, yeah. then it was a case of I'd never worked with you guys. I'd never worked with Penguin. Yeah, and I've known Tim on and off for years. And I sort of sent him a video and said, or I think we may have even done a Skype or something. Yeah, and I showed it to him, and he said, "Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. Let's do it." And then you guys have gone to town on it. The box, I just love the box and the <laughs> packaging, and it's you even recreated for me. Um, the little red and blue packets these come in are a, a perfect replica mm -hmm. of the red and blue packets that my ESP matchup came in when I was 12. So it, it's a really, there's something absolutely authentic about these cards. Mm -hmm. And you, you see the impact on, on whoever you do it to when you get them out. They absolutely swallow hook line and sinker mm -hmm. that this is something that you either had when you were a kid or they were you know if you're young it was like they were the cards in your parents drawer or that you know whatever little story you want to come up with they're just truly magical mm -hmm. in a very special way i'm very very pleased and proud of it do you think that some of the impact on the trick is because of the way these cards feel authentic, and maybe that adds to the fooling nature of it. Because 100%. it's, yeah, I mean, like this ESP matching trick, I've seen a lot of people approach that plot in some really novel and interesting ways. Adrian LaCroix's got some really cool stuff. I know John George has a, a really nice version of it. But the, I mean, this one, because of the look of these cards, it almost, yeah. it, it, I don't even think about the slop shuffle or some of the other sort of, you know, if you did these moves with a car with an ordinary deck of cards as a magician, I would see right through it. But this, the context of the yeah. props changes it. Does that make sense to I, you? I, I think absolutely. There's something about there's so many lessons in it. I don't mean I, the great Andy Nyman, will teach you all lessons. It's stuff that I learn all the time as you do this stuff, mm -hmm. and you realize just the power of something interesting to look at. The power of something that evokes nostalgia the power of you know if you if the cards that you had were old advertising cards of the candies that no longer are made that were made when you you know in the 60s 70s or 80s whenever mm. it was when you were a kid and you turn those over instantly people just oh they want to talk about that and think mm. about that and it's firing off all the stuff in their heads as opposed to you know, the cards they're looking at, the Jack of Clubs, the Seven of Spades, the Three of Diamonds, yeah. where there's literally no connection other than I am seeing a skilled person show me a magic trick. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that can go on that's personal to them. And that's sort of the thing. Um, Do you find yourself doing the same thing with other effects now and trying to move away from sort of traditional props to things that are kind of interesting and allow you to take this more presentational angle? Yes and no. I mean, I, I adore it all. I mean, I absolutely love it all. I love weird looking magic props. I love them. I, I think there's such a snobbery about gimmicked, you know, weird objects that we, that most younger modern magicians think everything's got to be organic and real and impromptu and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's something absolutely wondrous for a, an audience that 
are from you know in their hand on their phone is the internet a high-end camera mm-hmm. you can shoot a movie do recorder voice recorder i mean it's incredible the technology you have there and yet there's something about producing an object showing you an object that someone has never ever where on earth would you even get that roller printer that you put a piece of paper in yeah. roll the thing over it, and now it's 10 pounds how has that <laughs> happened or the weird little box that you push a pin through and now there's a block of gold in it yeah. or whatever. I think there's such a value in all those things. So I, I, I'm very eclectic in my taste. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think a good trick is a good trick. And if it's a good, if it's a great card trick, great. Mm-hmm. If it's an interesting deck of cards, great. If it's a special coin that you can justify, I think it's all I think everything's up for grabs. I don't like the idea of rules. And I also think one of the things I know from my own personal experience is this. So I've done magic for over 30 years as a hobby. That's, I just think of it as my hobby, but I've done, I probably did in my time, certainly 500 kids parties. Mm -hmm. And I did close up gigs and I've done a lot of mentalism obviously and i've done close-up and all sorts of stuff and what i find again and again and again is the more you know the more it helps when you're creating stuff or thinking of stuff or there are tricks i used to do when at kids parties that that i think the methods on them are brilliant i'd love Mm -hmm. to try and twist them and recreate them for you know more traditional other things or other yeah. settings. I just think do everything, read everything. Don't be a snob. Don't be, just open your mind to it all because Preston and I started this new convention, the London magic convention. And it, and we had its first about, it was about a month ago in, uh, mm-hmm. in November. And the, the new one has just gone on sale for next November. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, it's, it's thrilling. And one of the things that we really wanted to do with it was to just, and I don't mean this patronizingly, but to remind people that just magic is the best fun. It is this brilliant, hilarious, mad hobby Mm -hmm. or job that we all love. We love being fooled. We love toys. We love looking at a card that's got a flap of elastic on it that goes, whoa, my God, we love the James <laughs> Bondness of it. We love the stupidity of it. We love buying stuff that we think we're going to do that we end up never doing. It's mm-hmm. just a wonderful, exciting thing. So I just think soak it all up, all of it. Can, can I ask you a question about Preston? Yeah. Um, and because you've mentioned him a, a number of times now and, uh, I, I don't meet very many people who are both magicians and then have children who are also magicians, let alone becoming accomplished magicians in their own right. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Monkey in the Middle from Bill Goldman. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studio to discuss this impossible sandwich effect. Nick, you know, one of my favorite plots in card magic is the sandwich trick. 
Yeah, man. It's I mean, it's it's a card to impossible location with a very specific location. But one of the most impossible versions of the sandwich trick is Monkey in the Middle by Bill Goodwin. Look, I, sorry, Bill Goldman. I know you like sandwiches. I do. I I don't. I don't. Why don't you like sandwiches? Is it because you're more of a salad guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm more of a salad guy. But I, I have a very special place in my, in my in my heart for for Monkey in the Middle. This is the best card sandwich trick you can do. I'm I'm confident in that. We all know what the sandwich effect is. Selected card ends up between two jokers or or whatever cards you're, you've chosen, right? This is just the cleanest possible way you can do it. Mm-hmm. You show you the two jokers. They're examined. You let the spectator look at them. You put them in their hand, right? You return those two jokers to the top of the deck. And then you take their signed selection. You put it in the center of the deck. You snap. And then you spread the two jokers on the top. And their signed selection is between the two of them. And you can repeat it over and over and over and over again. Um, it's totally impossible. It looks so good. Yeah. It's really, really impressive when it happens. Now, also, Eric, and I know you love a good sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know, most of these sandwiches take a lot of skill to create, you know? You, a lot of sleight of hand goes into making a good sandwich sometimes. Not with this. This is um, one move. One move that you probably already know how to do. It's a kind of a standard in card magic. And as long as you can do this one uh, one move by uh, old uh, what was his name old Marlow there yeah oh, uh, there's some there's, there's some, some discrepancy there's some discrepancy there yeah. whether yeah whether it was uh, Marlow or Vernon they both they both have claim to it but, but. they both liked eating sandwiches and <laughs> <laughs> they both would have loved Monkey in the Middle yeah Bill Goodwin uh, sorry Bill Goldman Bill Goldman's Monkey in the Middle is worth your attention you should check it out. That was Monkey in the Middle by Bill Goldman, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, our fancy subscribers get a discount when they enter our special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is SANDWICH. That's SANDWICH, S-A-N-D-W-I-C-H, for 25% off Monkey in the Middle when you enter that code at checkout. Now, that code is only good for Monkey in the Middle and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Andy Nyman. I, I don't meet very many people who are both magicians and then have children who are also magicians, let alone becoming accomplished magicians in their own right. I mean, Preston's yeah. doing pretty well. Um, yeah. And I, I'm wondering, did you introduce him to magic at an early age or did you sort of let him come to magic on his own? And I'm curious about, and maybe this is something where I should also have him on the podcast to ask, what is your relationship with him? Because, you know, my father was not one of the creative people involved with Darren Brown. So, I mean, I, I would imagine that that, I imagine that that dynamic is interesting. And, I, and I'm curious as to how you approach that. I mean, honest to God, and, I, and again, I don't mean this with any fake humility. I, I, I'm, I'm aware that I have a status, obviously, mm-hmm. but I, I, it, it's not of interest to me. I'm not, it's not like I swagger around from on high expecting mm-hmm. people to kiss my ass, you know, it's just, you, you just do, it's just do the job. You just mm-hmm. get on with it and want stuff to be as good as possible. Preston and my daughter, Macy, um, they're both actors by profession mm-hmm. and Preston like me, uh, has magic as this hobby that also like me is becoming a sort of 
you know, a bit of a separate income stream for him so that can allow him to have freedom in his acting career Mm -hmm. and allow him to have an output for his creativity. Um, Preston is without a shadow of a doubt, my best friend. Um, We, you know, spend as much time together as we can. We laugh together endlessly. He's incredibly creative. I think he does most of his creating not with me, actually. He'll mm-hmm. do, you know, he's got another friend, Simon Lipkin, who's also an actor magician, um, and they'll spend a lot of time talking and coming up with stuff and sharing ideas. And I love that. I love that he has now, because he's 24. He should also. Yeah. Yeah. He, have friends other than, other than his, his dad. other friends, you know, yeah. other than his dad. Um, but... Um, they've just both him and Macy have grown up with it. They've been Mm. around actors, singers, writers, magicians, musicians, Mm -hmm. circus people. They've grown up with so many people like that. So, and they've always come to, you know, we always used to go to the Macmillan's convention every, and it was a big thing for us, the big gala show, God bless Mm -hmm. the Macmillan family. They'd always invite the whole family along, you know, and, and we'd all go and see it. And it was a real highlight, you know, and magic has been this joyous part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And Preston, you know, did bits. And I think it was probably, he, he's really helped me actually, because I've had quite a bumpy relationship with magic o- over the years. And really he has helped reinvigorate my love of it as opposed to just, I've always, you know, I've always loved it, but, you know, it's run in tandem with my acting career and and I've always been a little, hmm, what am I trying to say? I'm at peace with how much a part of my life magic plays. It's it's Um, fair to say that you you have a stronger preference for, acting as a career over magic oh well acting is my career yeah. i mean magic magic is just this glorious mm-hmm. hobby but it's just this bizarre thing that you know i do <laughs> i've been blessed with being able to do it yeah. at a very high level but um but what, what i'm trying to say is preston's love for it and enthusiasm and, and through him and mm-hmm. a couple of his other friends it's really really helped me reignite my sense of fun with it and how much I love it and mm-hmm. how important it is to to he and I and actually as doing this convention was just an incredible joy mm-hmm. and as you know and it, it was a day filled with such laughter and fun for everybody and next year I should say go you know because I, I presume people from all over the world I mean look we had people from America and yeah. Israel and coming to us so it's the London Magic Convention if you go to londonmagicconvention.co.uk and it's next November the 6th um, and there's three lectures and a close-up competition and the kind of the, the funnest gala show um Anyway, but yeah, yeah. we'll Preston's put a we'll put a link to it in the descri- in the show description oh, below. Please, yeah. 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 Um, and I'm incredibly proud of how creative he is. Um, but that's the other thing. Yeah. Preston, myself, we're not special, blessed, create genetically creative people. Mm. Um, every single person listening to your podcast has the ability to create 
truly, it's just hard work. Mm -hmm. And you've got to work through failure again and again and again. And ideas that, that doesn't really work, I'll come back to it. Or that gets thrown away and you never do it. Or you try something and it sucks. Or, ooh, that's good. Or it's like everything else. We've just started watching the Beatles documentary. And it's absolutely amazing. You know, you're seeing the greatest musicians ever sitting around just... We've got, a, we're doing our gig in 21 days and we've got to write 14 songs and they've got nothing <laughs> going that, 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 what, what do you, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Look, I'm not comparing us to the Beatles. That's not what I mean. What I mean No, is- I, I think you, you all heard it here first. Andy Nyman and Preston Nyman are the Beatles of magic and <laughs> we're just, we're just going to go <laughs> with that. McCartney, man. Uh, but yeah, it's just the creative process is the creative process. And that's the thing. Mm. Anybody and everybody can do it. And I'm better at it than I was 20 years ago because, because it's just like flexing any other muscle. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean when Darren and myself and Andrew O'Connor are trying to write the new Darren Brown stage show, you sit there in silence, bleeding from the eyes, praying for an idea. It's hard work, mm-hmm. you know, as it is, I'm in rehearsals for a play at the moment, as it is learning the lines and not only learning the lines, but getting up and and defying the fear and putting your script down and just going for it, knowing I am not going to get through this, that I don't know them well enough, but screw it. I'll, I'll try and they'll dig me out of it. Do you think that your acting has influenced your magic in a, in a particular way, either through the creative process because of the way you're, you're iterating stuff or it gives you a deeper insight into how to actually perform the effects? Because creating an effect and performing an effect are two very different things. I, and, yes. and, and I experience that a lot with the people that we sometimes bring in is that occasionally you meet someone who's brilliant at method but when they go to perform it, you're like, that's, that's garbage, but it's really the performance that does that. (laughs) And then there's people who are the other way around where the performance is amazing, but the method is just like, Oh, that's just brute force. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's it, it, they, they're sort of simpatico Uh, because I think that one of the things that I've really, really learned over the years is that they're not separate things, you know, that you can have the greatest magic method method in the world um, but if you can't do it, perform it in the right way, it's mm-hmm. not going to fool anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way you talk, the way you move, the way, what you signal through your body, what you signal through your attitude is everything. It's everything. I mean, funnily enough, I just, um, was working, there's a, there's a, a the chap that I give lessons to um, who's, who's become a friend. who's a lovely magician. And I met him very, I was in New York recently and met him briefly and I showed him the moment and we were talking today because he just wanted to go through a couple of bits. He said, I'd love to do it in a way like where you did it, whereby, and this gives nothing away in terms of method or whatever, where the prediction at the end is out from the very beginning. I'd love to know how you achieved that. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, well, it wasn't out at the very beginning. Yeah, it was. It was there from the start. I said, no, it, because we just 
talked for a little bit and I got it out <laughs> during that. And he'd completely, and that's not like a secret bit I do. It's all in the script and it's all mm-hmm. exactly what, if you buy it, it's in the PDF or it's in the performance. It's just the softness of, you know, how you make things feel organic and real. So yeah, that is the job as an actor. Your job as an actress mm-hmm. to take those words that have been written and make them sound like a they have never ever been spoken before, mm-hmm. and b the thought, the impetus to say it literally just occurred to you, and that that's your that's your job is to is to make it sound absolutely alive. I think that notion, um, so uh, that a notion of this is the first time it's ever been said for me is the magicians who I like the best are also actors. And there was a, so I, my degree is in comedy writing and performance. And my stand-up teacher had a, huh. a phrase that he said uh, that you, to make your act better, you had to have apparent spontaneity. And I think that maybe it's that, it's that quality that people who are sort of actors first, magician, you know, you know, not second, but way ahead of whatever's in second place that yeah. where they're doing them in tandem. I think that's why I like that magic more is because even if the method is really simple or the trick is very simple, that ability to make it seem organic and in the moment, even though I intellectually, I know they've done it thousands of times. I think that might be one of the more important skills as a magician yeah. to learn. Well, look, you think about the great, the magicians, you know, that, that you could sort of say, I can't think of anybody who doesn't think, Matt King is a brilliant magician. Yeah. Well, and you'd look at that and, or, you know, and you'd think, well, 50% of Matt King shows probably improvised. It's probably 2%. Yeah. And yet that show feels like it's literally coming out of his mouth for the first time. Same with Darren. Yeah. You go and see Darren live. It feels like, wow, we saw a great night tonight because a lot of that stuff was off the cuff. It's not. This, one of the great, great skills is the ability to make it feel like that. Mm-hmm. That is magic as well. When you go and see a great play or musical or see a great film, there's an alchemy that happens when you see a great performance that you think, oh, my God, that's, that's amazing. You know, so I think that the two two do go hand in hand, and very often you'll see, and that's the same. It goes down to costume. It goes down to who you think you are versus what an audience think you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it yourself. You go and see an act walks out on stage, and you instantly know, oof, they are. They this are is going to be rough. Yeah, this is going to be rough. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's really really interesting to me that stuff. Yeah, it really is. You know, I, I feel like, um, you know, the, the subject has come up now and my audience would thoroughly castigate me if I did not ask you about your relationship with Darren Brown. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Andy for joining me on the show and thanks to you for listening. Next week, we finish up my conversation with Andy Nyman by discussing his work with Darren Brown and a lot more. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you drop hints to your significant other about which aftermarket light breaks you want for your Thanos Lego glove model for Christmas. If you want to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to 
find a way to inform someone I deeply love that light tailing makes an LED kit that makes the Infinity Stones on my Thanos Gauntlet Lego model glow. But if glowing Lego isn't something that you hope to see at Christmas, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, happy holidays, and as always, practice, practice, perform.